this is the Colonial Department's Extra Credit, a bonus show that provides some nugget-sized tidbits of Philippine colonial history. It's based on the most recent episodes. If you haven't yet, check out Season 4, Episode 9, The Lethal Cost of Building the Galleons. Then hop on back here for some extra credit. Thanks to our history books, we all know on some level that the Spanish outsourced a lot of their labor to our ancestors. But in doing the research for the last episode, it struck me viscerally how things like majestic Spanish galleons were built on the backs of forced labor. It's not just about the workers, but the wood too. Imagine how many hectares of forest had to be cut down to make these enormous wooden ships, and how many thousands of workers had to do that for their Spanish overlords. It's something that I hope our last episode helped emphasize. I'd like to read to you a passage from my main resource, a dissertation that contends that without India labor and India lumber, the galleon trade would not have been possible. Historian Andrew Christian Peterson writes, It is not an exaggeration to say that shipbuilding was the single most vital operation to the health of Spain's colony in the Philippines. There is ample primary source evidence to suggest that Spaniards were well aware not only of the importance of indigenous labor in sustaining their colonial enterprise through shipbuilding, but also of the negative impact such intensified exploitation had upon native society and the environment. A number of observers from the Philippines regarded shipbuilding as the single greatest consumer of colonial labor and noted that the onerous duties of felling timber and manning Pacific vessels served as the inspiration for many native revolts. Aside of this story that I had to cut from this episode was the very interesting side tale of how the Philippines became the world's supplier of, well, ropes. See, I always knew abaca was one of our most important exports, but until I did the research for this episode, I never knew exactly why, until I read up on how much the seafaring industry depends on ropes. Ropes for sails, ropes for anchors, ropes for bolts, ropes for housers, ropes for latchet lines, ropes for shrouds, ropes for nets, ropes for everything. Ropes made of abaca soon became the world's solution to its problems of cordage. So here are three tidbits on the growth of the abaca industry in the Philippines. One, what were the advantages of ropes made out of abaca? Well, according to one botanist, abaca fibers are light, resilient, durable, and resistant to water, especially salt water. These are all useful qualities for ropes in the maritime industry. Plus, abaca fiber is easy to gather and abaca rope is cheap to produce. Instead of importing rope from home, the Spanish quickly found that they could use Philippine-made rope easy. 2. One very vital quality of abaca ropes that the Spanish observed was that, unlike ropes made in Europe, they didn't need any additional treatment. Ropes from the homeland had to be coated with pitch and tar to strengthen them against corrosion. But you could use abaca ropes straight out of the tin, as it were. In 1619, a Spanish captain complimented these native fibers, saying that you could use them quote-unquote white and unpitched. 3. Long after the colonial period, abaca continues to be an important Philippine product. According to the Philippine Consulate of Vancouver, our country supplies 87.5% of the abaca across the world. In 2022, the Philippine Fiber Development Authority set a target of 70,000 metric tons for the entire abaca industry. 
that's it. Hope you learned something new today. And as always, check back next week for a new episode of the Colonial Department.